Welcome to the Live Your Heart Out podcast, a show for wild hearts, changemakers, and soulpreneurs. Together, we dive deep into the exploration of what it means to live a meaningful life. I'm your host, Connie Bizalski, and I hope you're ready to live your magic. Wonderful. Well, today I am excited to have Michaela Light on the line <laughs> all the way from England, cold England to hot Bali. Yeah, it's a little cold here. <laughs> so, thanks for joining in, Michaela. I'm happy to have you. That's so awesome. I'm excited to be here. Send me some warmth from Bali. You know? I am. I am. Yeah, it's been, it's been a while coming, but we're finally getting together here on Skype to make this interview happen. And I'm really excited because there's quite a lot of things I'd like to talk to you about. You have an, a very interesting story, life story as the person that you are and also as the entrepreneur that you are. So lots going on, actually. <laughs> And as I mentioned in the introduction, you have just recently, I guess, come out as Michaela Light, uh, as a transgender person, and you've changed your name from Michael Smith to Michaela Light all over your social media channels, and you've made that quite public, and you're also doing a 90-day video challenge right now where you talked about this big change in your life. And so I kind of want to start out right here because, you know, I'm all about just going right into where, where it's nice and juicy and vulnerable. So um, why not get right into the mood and the vibe? Maybe you just kind of want to share a little bit of that journey and your inner journey and outer journey and what's been happening for you there and what's kind of been the trigger for you to now come out as Michaela Light, which is a beautiful name. Well, thank you. It is a beautiful name. So it's been quite a journey. I have always felt female inside, even though I have a male body um, at the moment anyway. So I remember when I was really young, you know, dressing in women's clothes and, and enjoying that. But I sort of knew that you weren't supposed to tell other people back then when I was four or five years old. Right. And I actually did tell a best friend when I was in high school when I was about 17. And I thought I was like confiding this enormous secret and he was going to protect it forever. But it lasted about a day and then he told someone else. And then, of course, someone else told someone else. And, Oh, wow. Um, and then before you knew it, I'm denying who I am, which is very sad. You know, I was saying, oh, no, I don't do that. But really so inside, it was like hurting. Immediately denying it when yeah. people were asking about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I felt I still feel shame around that, uh, mm -hmm. you know, because I, I was denying myself. And some friends kind of stood up for me and said, oh, yeah, we wouldn't think you'd do that. And, and I felt doubly bad because, like, they were trying to support me. Mm -hmm. And yet they weren't recognizing my true self. It was kind of all backwards, really. Uh -huh. Whereas my less close friends were kind of teasing me that, oh, yeah, you probably have some women's underwear on right now. Mm -hmm. And I didn't. But, you know, they had they were closer to the truth. So mm -hmm. it was very ironic. Also in a so very I masculine society and, the you know, the British masculinity is... Uh quite strong. No? Yes. What is the British masculinity? I've been well, looking for that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I've been, because back in my former life, when I was straight, I was going out with this guy from England and he, um, I just got a pretty interesting insight into 
um, just quite how British men are very much into their masculinity and making fun of each other and just kind of, you know, in that way. And I found that quite interesting. It's very different to, for example, me being German and, and German men. German men don't make fun of each other at all. Well, they do, but obviously you guys have a, the British humor and, you know, oh, happening. Yeah. so I feel like, yeah, I can see how guys would make a lot of fun of someone, you know. Yeah, there's a lot of teasing, certainly in the school I was, I, there's yeah. a lot of teasing, you know, it really kind of turns into bullying at some mm. point. And so. is that what happened back then then for you? Yeah, I, I wouldn't call it supportive. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, there was a lot of teasing. You know, I was pretty effeminate. Mm-hmm. I had long hair. I, I mean, you know, I, I'm not I'm not like a, a six foot tall, 200 pound male, you know, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. back then. So mm-hmm. I, I'm got more delicate bones and what have you. So they mm-hmm. would tease around that. And then yeah. as you graduated, what was how did the story go on? Well, I, I just want to recognize I feel pretty sad talking about that. Oh, so right. I may, yeah, be, no, I may sure. be laughing, but it's yeah. almost tears. Right. Um, so there's still a so lot of I, unresolved sort of emotions or energy in your body surrounding that. Yeah, I'm sure making this video will help resolve it. You know, So uh, usually making videos helps bring crap up to the surface. I to know, resolve. doesn't it? It's pretty. Yeah. I've healed a lot of stuff by making YouTube videos. That's for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, I went to university and uh, I had my second girlfriend there. My first girlfriend, I didn't tell. But my second girlfriend, I told her pretty immediately, hey, you know, I wear women's clothes on occasion, which is how I described it then. You know, I described it as cross-dressing. I didn't quite have the spiritual aspect that, you know, I have this female identity, though I think I did in, in retrospect. And she wasn't too keen on it. So I, I didn't come. I mean, I regret that I didn't come out in university. I I've, I run a parallel universe life where I did come out then. So mm-hmm. just to kind of clear that energy. So I didn't really come out until I think I was about 35. And I joined a radical honesty group where you express your truth and mm-hmm. what you're feeling. Mm-hmm. And I kind of get, got up the courage to share that I did this with them and their immediate reaction was, cool, can you come to the next meeting as a woman? And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> so, oh, wow. Yeah. But I did do that, even though it was quite, I was very nervous. Just, dry. I mean, because I'd always dressed in my home and not gone out. So now I was driving in a car. And, you know, what if people I know see me? And all kinds of crazy thoughts went through my head. But it was all fine. So And so I progressively meeting- came out more for that. Okay, so at that meeting, yeah. that was literally the first people that you came out to. Uh, I'd had a girlfriend in the United States who, I'd, all the girlfriends I've had since the second one, I've come out to. Okay. So, but and I had one girlfriend. She she was like, yeah, that's cool. Let me help you. Let me give you makeup tips and let me help you do this better. Yeah. So right. you know, yeah. she was very encouraging. Other ones weren't. So it depends on the mm. person and how where they are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of them had their own gender, you know, differences. So, mm. you know, sometimes people who are, who are transgendered attract other people who are transgendered. So, yep. <laughs> so was that was that helping you to come to terms with who you were and how you were feeling? Yeah. The more I came out, the more people I told 
I mean, I told my parents 17 years ago, part of this honesty group, I went on this eight day retreat and I, you know, we were making plans for our lives and I was encouraged to like tell my parents by the end of the year. And I'm like, okay, well, I wait until New Year's Eve. <laughs> so before wow. I told them, wow. because I was so nervous. And then when I went, you know, I had trouble opening my mouth to say it. I'd, fortunately, I'd written it down. I got a leaflet that talked about cross-dressing and gender stuff. And so how did you I, explain it to them? I just handed them the leaflet. <laughs> oh, really? So, yeah. And then we talked a bit about it. They didn't quite get it at the time. Yeah. My mother thought I was going to be a, what's that thing where guys dress as women and go on the stage? Oh, yeah, drag queens. Drag queen. She thought it was that but, at oh. first, but I explained, no, that's not what it is. And I also came out that I was bisexual at that to mm. them at that point. I figured if I'm going to come out for one thing, I better come out for everything at the <laughs> same well. time. Yeah. And then, yeah. but so you think they didn't quite get it at the time? Was there any sort of reaction though? Well, they, you know, they said they loved me and they were supportive and they, they didn't, I think they were very surprised. I mean, they certainly didn't know before I told them. And how did you but, feel yeah. that, that afterwards? Relieved. <laughs> yeah. Liberated. It was like, yeah, liberated, relief. Glad it went so well. I got support, support from a gay friend of mine who'd come out to his parents a lot earlier. Right. So. And then did anything change after that for you? Were you then able to really maybe own that part of yourself more or what, what went on after that? Yeah, I would say, I, yeah, I, that did help me in owning it more. I mean, also, I dress up as a woman with my friends, you know, or I'd go to conferences or festivals that, you know, had alternative sexuality in or pagan or some other thing where it, they were open to people to being transgendered. Mm. and welcoming so and then somewhere around there i i had a girlfriend who was into bdsm which mm -hmm. i i really didn't know about mm -hmm. at the time mm -hmm. and so i was attracted to the fact that that scene is very welcoming of people who, are, who have gender differences mm -hmm. so yep. yeah so, so we got in i got into that and mm -hmm. learned a lot of things about myself there did you then also meet more transgender people or generally just like maybe have more friends who were sharing who yeah were sharing I, with? yeah i met through the different groups pagan groups bdsm groups you know polyamory groups i i met other people of both you know people who were going from male to female and i met people who were going from female to male i met some who cross-dressed some who had had you know were doing uh, hormones and surgery so and I also joined uh, there's a group in the Washington, D.C. area where I was living called Magic, which is transgendered support group. So I met a lot of people through that. So, yeah, I did connect with a lot of us, and that certainly helped. And I, I, you know, I read a lot of books. I mean, this was before the Internet was big. So you had to either meet people in person or you, you read a book, you know, no Facebook maybe you groups. saw <laughs> no Facebook groups back then. <laughs> Yeah, see, I, I just recently started um, a Facebook group for lesbians called Lesbian Pillow Talk, hashtag safe space, and it's meant to talk about lesbian relationships and sex and and uh, everything that's a bit more vulnerable. And because there still isn't that much out there, even just for my lesbian mm. community, where it's a safe space for us to, to be ourselves and to talk about, you know, these things. And even though, you know, Facebook groups have been around for a very long time, so... And I believe, from my experience anyway, it's really important to have community and to feel 
like you belong <laughs> somewhere because as many of us struggle with as one or another coming out phase to coming to terms with who we are first with ourselves and then with other people. And then, yeah. So for me, it's been really important to have community. I want, is it still important for you today to be, to have the community around you physically or at least online or? I'd say that's less, the more I've come out, the less community has been important. When I was first coming out, it was really important. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I'd have practical questions or I'd be curious mm -hmm. or I just need wants support, like you say, to recognize this is okay. Now I totally feel it's okay and I can be who I want to be. And also the other thing is when I before when I kept this a secret and it was all hidden, I was very worried about what other people would think. The more I come out, you know, at this point, it's kind of point zero zero one percent caring what people think. But back then it was like ninety nine percent caring. Yeah. Wow. And what? Yeah. So and that seems to affect how other people interact with me. So when I'm really not accepting myself. Other people tend not to accept me. The more I accept myself, the more other people accept me. Yeah, yeah. So. it's really like that, hey? Yeah, wow. <laughs> That's really interesting, just how once we start owning who we are and kind of radiate that vibe, and the more confident we, mm -hmm. we are with who we are, then the less insecurities we, we vibrate, I guess, the the less judgment comes our way. I, f I feel the same way for some reason. Yeah, it's all, it's like, I don't know. Just the the energy we send out is the one we get back, or you know. Yeah, um, exactly. So, <laughs> so then, so you came out, and and but then there was still a way to go to 2017, where you kind of properly went into changing your name <laughs> and and all of that. So, oh yes, well nothing's ever true until you do it on Facebook, right? <laughs> <laughs> So I, I was at a conference, uh, DCBKK, and I was in a, with a group of people in a mastermind. And we were all talking about business things. And I had, you know, I'd been thinking about changing my name, but Facebook doesn't make it so easy to change your name. They, mm -hmm. they give you all these warnings that, oh, you must have a government ID in your name and you can't change it back for 60 days, which I'm sure is in place for a good reason mm -hmm. because they don't want people committing fraud. But I wasn't looking to commit fraud. I just want to be my true self. Yeah. And I talked with some other people who have different Facebook names like, hey, is this the real deal? And I like, no, no, just go ahead and do it. But I was in this group and I just had this sudden urge to go to the bathroom, you know, like I had to go like now. And so I left the room and as soon as I left the room, I still needed to go to the bathroom, but there wasn't like a sudden urge. And I think that was a message from my intuition to get out of the room because as soon as I came out of the room, the first person I saw was the person who in the organization, you know, is does admin. And I said, I went, I just had this inspiration to go to her and say, can you change my name in the database for the organization? And she said, sure. It was real easy. And then later in the day, I just went to my room and changed my Facebook name. So so it just in very intuitively came up for you that day. Yeah, it was it, my to do it that day yeah. came up intuitively. And then there's so many places our names appear. So I've mm -hmm. been, you know, changing in other on Twitter and LinkedIn. And, and then I did a blog post about it and I phoned up the clients. I have a software company, so I phoned up my clients for that. I was still nervous to tell them, you know, mm -hmm. so, so I did a little magic before I called them that, Hey, let's have this go easily, supportively. How and, has that been know, going? No, it's been good. I mean, it was very connectful, you know, by being vulnerable, I think they feel more 
connected to me. I had all the feedback I got was good. Mm-hmm. And I sent out a ma- I have an email list. I sent out a mass email to my entire email list telling people and giving them a link to the blog post. Mm-hmm. And that also I was a bit nervous hitting send on on that. <laughs> yeah. But again I did some magic that only people who are going to resonate with this are going to see it. The the trolls and the people who, you know, wouldn't like this, they're not even going to see the email, you know. No, that's so true. So I had hundreds of people reply. All of them were positive and supportive. So, wow, that's and, so awesome! Uh, I'm really happy yeah. for it. Yeah, no, it's really yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I highly recommend doing magic when you, if you do marketing. <laughs> <laughs> what? Do you, Just, I mean, and by yeah. yeah. What do you mean when you say magic? What do you mean by that? Well, setting a clear intention. Yeah. You know, here's yeah. my intention for this this mass email. Here's my intention for this space, Facebook ad or whatever. Mm-hmm. And putting, feeling the energy going into it, see the light going into it. So you sort of, you go a bit into meditation beforehand or just, you just center yourself yeah. and take a few minutes to kind of put the energy into, into this email you're sending out and uh, your intention into it as you're sending it off. Just to, I just want to clarify for the people. Yeah, I, I, listening. I do either of those things. Either I, you know, sit and get grounded, connect to the light from above and below, expand my heart as big as the universe. Mm-hmm. And I then see, you know, I say what I, how I want the thing to go. Mm-hmm. You know? And mm-hmm. I might write it down as well because that gives me extra clarity. Mm-hmm. And I might do it in a meditation or I might just speak it. And then when I'm putting together the email or the, whatever the thing is, you know, I've got that intention clear mm-hmm. with me and it kind of mm-hmm. comes out in the words, because when you when you send an email or you're writing a blog post or whatever, you've got the words, but you've also got the energy of the piece. And people can pick up what energy you put into something. It's Absolutely. very interesting. It is super interesting. I feel the same way. And and I feel like we're kind of shifting gears here a little bit because we're kind of drifting into, a, which is great because we're drifting into into a topic that I also wanted to talk about, um, namely, I mean, you run now, well, you run a tech company, you used to be a programmer, right? And who yeah. is now running, I guess, a platform for intuitive entrepreneurship. And so... And with that, and because you just kind of explained of how, you know, you work with, let's say, just sending out emails and putting your intention into it and, and energy into that. Um, so you also have a background in certain healing modalities, as I've gathered. And so I'm just kind of trying to put the pieces together as to how this journey also came about and all these different puzzle pieces that make up, I guess, who you are and, and your story, your past and and who you are as, as Michaela Smith, uh, Light. And so, <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, because I met you. you know, oh, don't worry. You know, if you get ago. my name wrong, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very hard to, to change what name you call someone. Yeah, it's like it's our brains, but the neural pathways. Yeah. But anyway, so <laughs> what's before we go into intuitive entrepreneurship and the platform you build around that because you've written a book you've got a podcast you've got an online course now and so super exciting stuff there but so your background with alternative healing modalities how did that come about and what was your yeah i guess your inner journey with that and did that have a lot to do with your i guess yeah your identity your sexuality was that also was that inner journey or that spiritual journey interlinked with that or yeah 
where that comes All right. From. Yeah, sure. I mean, I I had interest. I mean, I was running a business and I, you know, I had some years where it wasn't making money or it lost money and I was interested in healing and magic and spirituality and my motivation was to get my business healed, you know. So that was part of the reason I was like wanting to learn about different forms of the magic and intuition. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, and also with the gender stuff, as I said before, I I wanted to be in groups that were accepting and pagan groups were one of the groups that mm-hmm. are very accepting on, on that. So I started going to pagan festivals and learning about how they did magic and made spells. So oh, right. um, that was one of the, yeah, so that's one of the places I got into that. Also around the same time, I had a small car accident and had some whiplash on my neck and I got some physiotherapy and they said to do you know, when I finished the course of physiotherapy and I couldn't get any more through my insurance, they said, well, why don't you do some yoga? So I'd never done that, but I started doing yoga and I got into that. And that also opened up my spirituality. And I eventually did uh, Kundalini yoga teacher training. So which mm. really opened up my intuition. Mm. Um, and all these things kind of I've learned a lot of healing modalities and they all kind of build on each other. And so more recently, I, I've been. You know, I, I went through uh, a six-month training for in, intuitive uh, life coaching. Mm. That was a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And from that, I, you know, was inspired. I want to share some of these intuition techniques with more people because, you know, there's so many entrepreneurs who are stressed out because they don't have enough time or enough money or mm-hmm. they've got too many decisions to make. Mm-hmm. And intuition can help so much True with all story. these things. So. Yeah. So basically, you're now kind of combining this very, I guess, masculine way of doing business and being an entrepreneur, right? Of like, go, 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 and we're in the hustle and making decisions from up here. And you're taking that and maybe mixing it more with a more feminine approach of making decisions from here and yeah, intuitive business. And so I found that really beautiful because I think there's, it can't just be one way or the other. Like I believe there, there can be. And so with, with the intuitive entrepreneurship, how did you, how did your intuition guide you into, huh, I guess, yeah, creating what you've created in the last few years with, and writing a book and, uh, and starting a podcast and, and, uh, you also, um, started basically a little movement with WWIT. What would it take? This question that you ask a lot and which I love. And yeah, how has that journey been going? So you did your intuitive life coach training and how did, how did you end up where you are today with that, with the business? Well, I, I wanted to share some of the things I learned. And, you know, I first learned about that. What would it take question from that training? And then I just wanted to as for me, when I'm learning something, if it's easiest for me, if I share it or teach it, mm-hmm. and that's how I really get and understand it. Mm-hmm. And also, it just spreads it or spreads it around and helps more people. So I, I start when I first learned that question, you know, I'd use it on everything. And I when anytime anyone had a uh, a problem in their business or their life, I'd typically be asking that question. Yeah. It's a very helpful question because it tunes into your intuition to give you answers. So it's, it's very different from asking, how can I do something which goes straight to the male logical mm. mind about what are all those steps? Whereas what would it take? You might get an off the wall 
answer that's doesn't seem related but actually helps you solve whatever mm. the thing is yeah I so that question's super helpful i ask my i ask myself the same question now since since you shared it with me quite a yay. while ago now um, yeah and so I, why, why did I write a book? Because, you know, that was coming from my intuition to mm -hmm. do that. And mm -hmm. it's quite a lot of work to write a book. So I think if I hadn't had my intuition and, and also when you're doing things like writing books or, or many other things that are creative, you, I, you know, I didn't get feedback so much that it was going to succeed during, you know, you're doing stuff that's hard or straight, you know, I had resistance on and, it helps to have that vision or have the intuition say, yeah, you're on the right track. It's sort of like if you're climbing a mountain, you know, if you decide to climb a mountain and go to a, the summit, you may not see the summit. It might be covered in clouds, a part of the climb. So, but if you know where you're going, you know, and you're always going to keep going upwards, mm -hmm. then it, it helps guide you along the way and keeps you motivated, even when your legs are tired. <laughs> Very true. And I mean, these days for me, I'm basically only make decisions from my intuition anymore. Whereas mm. years ago, I didn't even know what intuition meant. And I feel like a lot of people, a lot of people struggle with that. They're like, like, they kind of know what the word means, right? But they don't really, they think they don't have access to it. And they don't, and even if, I don't actually believe that they don't, they don't have access to the intuition. They just choose to ignore it. Actually, that's what I think. Mm. But what is, what does intuition, what does that, what does it feel like to you when it's a yes or when it's a no intuitively? Is there, where does it, where do you feel that in your body? I, I personally would feel it. I feel it in my core and my stomach. I also hear words, you know, I, I will hear voices telling me stuff or I'll just get an idea in my head that came out of nowhere. So those are some of the ways, but everyone gets their intuitive messages different ways. There's no mm -hmm. one right way. And that that's part of the block people have with intuition. They think they're supposed to hear angels talking in their ear or something. That may not be how you get your intuitive messages. So what would be and the same with the body yeah. you might get them through dreams. You know, you might wake up with an idea from a dream. Maybe um, you have a, a pain in part of your body gives you information because different body parts have different symbolism. Mm -hmm. Maybe you see an animal you're not usually seeing and that has a message for you or a symbol. Or maybe you see synchronicities. Maybe three people tell you the same thing in, mm -hmm. in a few days and it's an unusual thing. Yeah, so yeah, maybe fair. you get visions, you know. There's lots of different ways you can get intuitive info. And how do you think you can, how can people cultivate that? How did you cultivate that? How, what brought you closer to being able to receive that information, actually see it? <laughs> because I think a lot of people have all this information happening somewhere, but they might not see it even though it's happening. So practicing helps. I mean, just because often intuition is a quiet voice. You know, if it's not a life-threatening, if it's a life-threatening situation, your intuition might turn up the volume a bit. Mm -hmm. But in normal situations, it's a pretty quiet voice. It's just saying, hey, you might want to turn left here or you might want to not hire this person because they're going to not work out. Or you might just feel a tightening in your gut thinking about making a certain choice. And like, oh, that's not a good idea is what it's trying to say. But it's not going to control you. So you've got to listen to those subtle messages. So meditation helps without or yoga because it helps you hear things and have space to hear things. If you're always, you know, on watching videos or on your cell phone, on social media or talking with people or drinking alcohol or doing other things that 
keep you distracted, then it's going to be hard to hear the message. So creating space in your life in one way or another. Going into nature is another great way to get mm. that um, space. So totally. uh, or doing a, yeah, or a silent meditation retreat helps a lot of people. Um, mm. That's terrifying to a lot of people. <laughs> so the idea yeah. of being comfortable, comfortable think, with yourself. Yeah, generally allowing space or slowing down is can be very terrifying for a lot of people because it creates space for things to maybe come up more to the surface right and to actually well, uh, have to feel things <laughs> yeah maybe they're gonna feel emotions that are uncomfortable or maybe i'm going to hear a message that my intuition is trying to tell, tell me something for a year and i've been ignoring it because my ego doesn't want to hear that <laughs> yeah like um, i I had a message to go to the, when I was living in the United States, I had a message to go to the Andes mm -hmm. and my ego did not want to do that because it was like, why are you going to go to there? What, what are you going to do there? Isn't it dangerous there? <laughs> so, but I did proceed and I made it to Bolivia. And even though I was afraid to get on the plane, I still managed to get on it. And, mm -hmm. But once I landed, it was wonderful there. So... Yeah, all the ego fear stuff just wasn't really true, which is mm. so often the case. <laughs> mm. How do you di differentiate between that message, that intuitive message, that intuitive information that's coming through, and what your ego is w wanting? How do you kind of separate the two? Yeah, well, usually with intuitive information, I feel more expansive and open, whereas with fear-based information which is a lot of ego information you know i'm more contracted so i can feel that in my body but i also you know you could verify if you have different ways to get your intuitive information you could try different ways you know you could maybe you've heard a voice that says something but maybe you can muscle test as well or maybe you have tarot cards and you can see if they say something about it or you have a a friend who doesn't you know, know the details or the answer, but you ask them which way, what are they picking up? Mm -hmm. So do some verification on it. And the other thing is, if you're still not sure, you know, you can always use your intuition as a backup method and you could like journal what your intuition, you think your intuition is trying to tell you mm -hmm. and what your rational mind decided to do. And then look back on it a week or a month later and see well, was there anything to this intuitive info? Because mm -hmm. maybe with hindsight, you'll understand it better. Mm -hmm. And that will give you more confidence in the future mm -hmm. to follow it better. Do you feel like it's easier generally for women to access their intuition than for men? Or with the people that you've worked with? Or what have the challenges been maybe with the men, male entrepreneurs that you've worked with? Or, um, in comparison yeah, to I mean, I, I, I don't think there's an inbuilt you know, if you've got a, a baby and it was male or female and you didn't run it, run it through all the social conditioning we run people through mm -hmm. in school and with parents, you know, just even things like, oh, boys are taught not to cry, you know, mm -hmm. exactly, for yeah. example, which is a bit sad, really. <laughs> so, it's very sad. Uh, and just how many men, because of that reason, are disconnected from their emotions and probably then also from their intuition. Yeah. The only emotion men are typically allowed is anger. And not supposed to feel the other emotions, or at least not too much. Or team sport so. emotions. Oh, team <laughs> sport. Okay. Maybe. Yeah, then it's okay to hug point. other men, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad Pretty. that there's more and more, actually, more and more men also standing up for themselves, wanting to reclaim vulnerability and emotions for 
the male community, <laughs> I was going to say. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, being able to express our emotions and be vulnerable is a strength and for most, both very, men and women. Very much so. Um, and that's kind of been my mission. So I think, I think we're, yeah, to help people be more vulnerable and be strong through that mm. and grow. You were going to say something and I interrupted you. Or yeah, no, I, I think generally women are more in touch with their intuition. But in our patriarchal society, it's not, you know, they often cover it up when they go into business mm-hmm. because they're not, you know, they think they're you're not supposed to work from intuition. You're supposed to have rational reasons for everything. So mm-hmm. I'd like to see that shift that men and women are OK openly using their uh, intuition at work. And being able to distinguish between whether it's their intuition or it's their ego speaking, or maybe it's just a bad hamburger they ate, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think, I don't know, I feel like, I wonder what the challenges are with making it more mainstream, intuitive entrepreneurship and, and intuitive leadership as well, especially, you know, wanting it to, to spread more into bigger, companies and corporations and stuff like that and because i mean a lot of these structures are so you know masculine dominated in the way that they're operated and the energies in that and i just wonder how that can be i guess broken into and and transformed into a bit more open environment where yeah decisions aren't just made up here do you see i don't know like changes happening already or can you see examples of where you can see that or do you have any sense of idea where this could go in the future where what you'd like to see happen with that i think there is resistance from the masculine way of you know the traditional masculine way of doing things the hierarchical structure that a lot of big corporations have Mm -hmm. which is a control structure and if every just imagine if all the thousands of people who worked in big corporation we accessing their intuition and we're empowered by that, they might be a little more difficult to control mm. or a lot more difficult. And the same thing with citizens in a country. You know, governments don't really support people following their intuition. They want everyone to follow the rules and be controlled mm-hmm. because if everyone was empowered and were hearing their own inner guidance, then why do they need a government to tell them what to do? Mm-hmm. And the same thing with religions. Why do you need a, a, a religion and, a, you know, uh, whatever the spiritual leader in your religion is to tell you what how to connect with spirit and God mm. when you've got your own intuitive connection yourself. So it's a total switch. But all those three structures, corporate, government and religions, all male fo- focused ways of doing things, male structured ways of doing things with a hierarchy and a control. Mm. So I think what the shift is going to be is into uh, a more flowing and a more female way of doing things where people are more empowered and it's a community. And you want an example of that. I mean, I would have thought Richard Branson and the Virgin Group is not uh, an early example of that. I mean, I'm sure there are many other companies that do things uh, that people are open to intuition, but he's openly said he uses his intuition Mm -hmm. and he encourages people, you know, he empowers the different people in the companies to take action, you know, at all levels. Maybe Southwest Airlines is. I, I don't know on the intuition, but they certainly empower their employees to make the, any decision they can to make you know the customers happy and make the airline successful and safe. Mm. So. Yeah, that's true. That's actually a couple of good examples. Also, Richard Branson, I recently, he's been on a few podcasts recently, and I've listened to a couple of his interviews, and I really like him. And, and you know when people don't act out of fear, 
they don't have to control as much anymore. And and I mean, mm-hmm. in the end, right? I mean, that's what control is all about. Is is it's fostered by fear. And uh, I don't know. Richard Branson seems to be a guy who's very centered and very grounded in himself. And he's not. I don't think f- there's a lot of fear in his body. You know what I mean? And well, he's certainly done some pretty amazing adventures, both business-wise and just going ballooning around the world or crossing the Atlantic in a speedboat. All the other he must crazy be stuff he's got. Yeah, he must be trusting life a lot, you know? And I think from that place, you can probably act on your intuition with more confidence, probably, you know? Mm-hmm. How I look right. At and he, you know, he, I think he also gets some joy business that like where there's an established industry that is that traditional way of doing things, just to shake it all up, to show them there's another way to do it. I've been reading one of his books, The Virgin Way, I think it's called. The new one um, or the, the latest the one? The new one. Yeah, yeah, the new, yeah, I think it's his newest one. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. But he talks more about his culture and how he hires people and mm. things like that. So, yeah, fascinating uh, man, an entrepreneur for sure. Um, yeah. So with with that, with intuition and vulnerabilities and all these things, you ended up doing a video challenge now, ninety days, making a video every day, and I, I believe that there's nothing more vulnerable than than putting yourself on video. Uh, when it comes to, to social media. Um, and that's one reason why many people are not doing it because it's scary. Yes. What, part, <laughs> what, what did your, how did your intuition guide you to that? What made you do that or decide that you wanted to do 90 days of it? That's even, I, I've done a few 30 day YouTube challenges in the past. I think three of them, 30, 30 videos in 30 days, but I haven't done a 90 day one. I want to do it though. I'll probably do it next year. So, but tell me <laughs> uh, what, well, what's been happening there. Yeah, I mean, I was I was afraid to do it. I mean, I I've had a podcast, two podcasts for a year, and they're video podcasts. So mm-hmm. I'm used to going on video there, but for some reason, me just going on my own on video was scary. But I got over that after a few videos. And mm-hmm. one of the things I did was uh, I just took my phone out when I was, you know, walking somewhere and I'd make the video on on Facebook Live as I was walking. And the reason I chose Facebook Live instead of recording it and editing it is because mm. when you do a live video, you cannot edit it. It's, you know, <laughs> it. so in some ways it's liberating yeah, you know, it's because true. there are going to be mistakes. There are yeah. going to be yeah. screw ups and yeah. what have you. And just getting used to dealing with that and improvising, I think, strengthens me. And I'm doing this video challenge to improve my abilities in video and to overcome those fears and grow. And I was inspired by some of our mutual friends who were doing uh, that 90-day challenge. Mm-hmm. So uh, I joined it a few days after they started it because it was inspiring. But mm-hmm. I did have to overcome my ego saying, oh, yeah, this is too scary or it's going to take too much time. or yeah. You're going to make a fool of yourself in front of millions of people and it will be recorded forever. And all kinds of crap went through my head. <laughs> so, so did the what would it take question come up for you? That, like- Absolutely. So yeah, I used it, you know, what, yeah, what would it take to make these videos easily and joyfully? That was one of the questions I asked. That's awesome. So. Because like you said, you know, instead of thinking you need a big camera and a microphone and you need no. to edit them, which is what a lot of people think. It's like, nah, I'm just going to practice. I just need my uh, cell phone. Yeah. You use your cell phone <laughs> and you do Facebook yep. live completely yeah. rejecting the idea of editing and then putting that up on YouTube as well. So it's on Facebook and on YouTube, you're saying, right? Yeah. And I just yeah. have my VA download it from Facebook and she adds a thumbnail 
onto mm. it and sticks it up on YouTube and fills out the description better than I had. So, right. So is this uh, more of a – yeah, is this and then pushes of, out on social media. Right. And is this for you mainly because you wanted to experiment it with yourself and grow from that experience? Or are you also doing it to grow a following through video on YouTube, for example? Or is that just a byproduct? I, or What I figured is the first 30 days, I'm just going to experiment and do different things. I'm not concerned about getting a particular message out. I mean, there has been a common theme of spirituality and mm -hmm. gender in there, but... You know, it's not like I have a script and there's like a list of topics that have to be covered. And I think that can get a little boring. So I usually just I mean, I do have a list of potential topics, but I usually just wait till the day and, and see what I'm inspired with. And I also have a few backup videos up my sleeve that I've recorded, mm -hmm. you know, that if I'm having a bad Internet connection or or I'm just traveling all day, I can put out a, a video I've made before. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's hard to do a 90 day, a video, publish a video consistently every single day for 90 days and not have something come up in the way. So oh, for sure. I mean, it's uh, doing anything every day for 90 days besides <laughs> brushing our teeth and, you know, eating and, and these sort of things. Human needs is difficult. Because, like, you you have a, li a very nomadic lifestyle as well. I mean, you spend part of your year in Peru, and then you spend part of the year traveling around and being all over the place. So, And I know myself from experience, it's very difficult when I did my 30-day challenges to even, you know, it's not, sometimes it's not the I don't want to, it's not the willingness, it's the how am I going to make it happen practically, logistically right now when I'm traveling or I've got five million other things going on. So, but I guess with also you keeping the, the actual work surrounding making a video and putting it online very limited or just in a way that it's, it's easy, like no more, there aren't a lot of excuses anymore. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. I, I got rid of the excuses. So, yeah, awesome. you know, I like that. It doesn't have to be perfect. I don't, it doesn't have to be really long. You know, it could just be a few minutes if, mm -hmm. if I'm short on time that day. And I'm actually a fan of short videos. I know some people like long videos, but I find like three to five minutes is enough to make one point mm -hmm. and talk about one topic or mm -hmm. share one experience. Mm -hmm. So, um, what have been your biggest learnings since you started making these videos? Well, the not worrying about having it having to be perfect. Don't worry about what other people will think. Having someone do a good thumbnail on the video really helps on YouTube. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I learned that. And just uh, the, it's so easy to spend. So I didn't do editing. I've edited videos in the past. I know how much time it can take. And so I just made a choice, a conscious choice. I'm not going to edit. You know, if there's a, an arm or an er or a, a goofy expression or, or a bus goes by, mm -hmm. you know, if it's if it's a small thing, it, it doesn't matter. And if it's a bigger thing, you know, like there's, there's a bus driving by and you can't hear, I'm just going to speak to it in the video, you know. Yeah. Or if I forget what I'm talking about, I'll speak to that. Mm -hmm. Or if I, if I, you know, I'm terrified about talking about some subject I'm ashamed of, well, then I'll make a video how I'm ashamed about it and I, I don't want to talk about it. Mm. So, yeah. So just speaking my tr the truth to whatever the thing is, mm -hmm. is a path thing. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing I, I did, didn't know beforehand Because I've made videos sitting down in front of a laptop, and that's actually harder. What I found with the, if I'm going for a walk and I have the phone 
with a camera pointing towards me, whatever you call that on a phone, then that's actually easier. Just the act of walking, make, yeah. you know, it, it kind of clears out some of the thing and it makes it for some visual interest. You know, I've had people feedback saying, oh, it's nice that you can just, if I feel like I'm right there with you. Whereas if I'm sat in front of my webcam, it can get a little artificial, you know. It's easy to forget that I'm talking to other people, you know, mm. I get, get self-conscious. So because if, if I'm walking on the street and crossing the road and there are cars going the other way, I have to be paying attention to some extent to what's going on. You know, yeah, I can't yeah. I can't get into that self-conscious mind. So, um, yeah, so That's I've been having true. a lot of, of that. Yeah, no, I've noticed that as well, actually making videos when I walk, when I do like a daily vlog and, and I'm more yeah walking around and just very i guess intuitively spontaneously talking into the camera and just a lot of times thoughts interesting thoughts come up as you're moving and mm -hmm. as you move your energy and you know jason silva the guy he does, makes beautiful videos he no. does, uh, he's an amazing guy he makes a lot of very philosophical videos and a lot of his videos he makes also when he's walking And they're very mm. spontaneous thoughts that he shares as he's walking. And some of his videos he's got on YouTube, he's on a hike with a friend. And I think he must have just given the ca camera to his friend. But then someone edits it together, makes it look really nice. But in the end, it's it's they're not scripted or anything. And uh, he, I listened to an interview of him one day and where he was talking about exactly that, just how a lot of these thoughts are actually being developed as he's moving. And I found that really beautiful and I've experienced the same thing. So it's awesome that you say that too, because yeah, it's really like that. It's super cool. A lot of times when you turn on the camera and you kind of know what you want to start out with or, you, you know, what thought you want to develop, but then you literally just let yourself guide from the heart and you just see what comes out. And then What I've noticed is that literally when you go into that space, you go into like a, a flow state as you're then talking. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly all that information that that is meant to come out is coming out and it's the right information right at that time. And yeah, I found it to be a beautiful process. And I I mix and a little bit with the, the type of content that I produce in my videos. So sometimes a lot of times it is a little bit, uh, I have an outline and, and I have some notes because it's. But then a lot of times I also sit down and I make a video and I just see what comes up as the camera is rolling. And a lot of times the process doing that is way more beautiful than making those videos where I have an outline. I got all my notes and, you know, so that's really cool that you share that and you feel the same way. That's really cool. Yeah. I think what we're doing is there is channeling the information from our spiritual self you know, exactly. or some other spiritual entity, depending on who you channel from. Exactly. So, and. Um, And speaking to the, you know, I interviewed Russ Perry on my mm. podcast the other day and mo nearly every other guest, I think every other guest has been sitting in front of their webcam. He had a standing, I don't know what it was, I don't know if it was a standing desk, but he was standing and pacing around and moving and he had uh, so much more energy both in his voice and in the video. Mm. So I, I think I'm going to play with that, get one of those stands where your computer is higher up. And Very see different if I can... energy. Yeah, actually, yeah. for making videos, I've noticed that too. I've, there have been videos where I made standing up and then videos sitting down, completely different energy. And I, I alternate with that as well sometimes, depending on the topic. There's topics where I feel like I need to sit down and then there's topics where I feel like I need to stand up. And uh, <laughs> you know, I did one video where I was lying down in bed. That was fun. Oh, yeah, or, or that, you know, lying down. Very different energy again. So that's really yeah, very interesting. And I I, I took my 
my phone to a I went to a sober rave the other day in Chiang Mai. <laughs> and so I I, I I recorded a vlog right there. And it was a you know, it's a little challenging to speak when you've got like trance music going. Mm -hmm. but it wasn't too loud. And that was kind of fun because I'm like, you know, in the music and I'm dancing and I'm speaking to the audience. That's wonderful. So, yeah, that that's super cool. And live. That was a Facebook Live as and, well. Yeah. yeah, it was a Facebook Live. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm a fan of Facebook Lives. <laughs> mm, yeah, I can tell. But I, th I, I think your example is wonderful because it really shows that, number one, screw all excuses of not going out there and, and making videos and, and, and growing through that through doing that through that process because i've grown so much since i started making videos it's been amazing it's been a beautiful journey uh one that was very scary in the beginning um and yeah just in terms of personal development huge and but the thing is also and i just gave a retreat in sri lanka recently with 12 women and one day they knew it was going to come up that i was going to have them make a video and a lot of these women have never made a video before of themselves you know they were terrified the entire week of that one day where they we're gonna be sent off to make a video why did you save it up for the end why didn't you get it over with at the beginning <laughs> uh, yeah just it was like it was like on the third to last day it was somewhere in the middle anyway okay, okay. and um <laughs> yeah maybe maybe i should have done it in the beginning but anyway so so they you know they would just as we were talking about it beforehand they were just terrified and and they just i could tell that it was making them nervous just thinking about it and i was talking to them about their fears and what is it in their bodies and what what's making them so scared of just getting this camera out and just talking into the lens and it's this and public speaking i think those are two things mm -hmm. that people are extremely scared of and so eventually they did it they all made their little video and we at the end we all watched all of the videos and they all then said that it actually wasn't as bad and it was they could almost feel themselves growing in the process <laughs> you know mm. And so, yeah, it's just so fascinating just how scared people are of making videos. And just, I wonder, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like I want to get as many people as possible to make more videos and, and <laughs> even just to experiment, you know, like you're saying, you just, you know, you're just kind of seeing what happens and there's no real, I don't know if you actually have a per, like a long-term purpose behind that, but just see what happens. Like that's it. And that's. Yeah. I mean, you know, I have a friend, she did a Facebook live. She just had a group meditation where every, everyone joining the light, they were in a group doing a meditation. So there wasn't even any talking. <laughs> they, were like, they were like, you know, silently, you know, but I thought that was a beautiful thing to do. You know, you can do, I've seen other people teach yoga through video, you know, a Facebook live of their yoga class. Yeah. So or whatever skill you want to share. So there's so many things there. But I, I, I think there's a reason why people have this thing around public speaking and, and video. It's that energetically the audience is kind of watching you and they're like receiving your energy. Mm -hmm. You know, you can feel, and if you're sensitive to energy, you can sort of feel when you're in front of the audience when they have their attention on you. Yeah. And it, it can get draining, you know. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I do little magic tricks so that I don't get drained by people watching my videos or reading my books or, or seeing me speak in public. What sort of magic you know, tricks? I, well, I just set the intent that the, the energy comes from spirit from above and below, from the earth and from heaven, and mm -hmm. it goes through the video to them not they're not sucking on my energy got it you no know, because that yeah. what happens the more famous we get and you're pretty famous connie you know people can start to admire you or hate you and it and project onto you 
and that can get quite draining. You know? yeah, it can be, and I've, I sometimes feel it too, on and off. Like there are phases when I feel it heavily, and then there's phases when I'm good. And but I'm not sure whether it's my own protection that sometimes it's just not good enough, maybe, or strong enough, or whether it's actually that there's there are people actively pulling on me. You know what I mean? I think it's both. It's I think both, people yeah. do actively pull, but they have to have somewhere to pull on. Yeah. So if you have you know, if, if I have things where I'm ashamed, that's something they can hook onto and suck on. If I'm, if I'm totally authentic and light and myself and I don't have any hidden patterns uh, that I'm trying to cover up, then there's nothing for them to attach onto. That's very true. That's very true. But I still wouldn't, I still wouldn't let them connect to my energy. I'd have them get universal light, not mm -hmm. my light. Mm. It can get depleting. I mean, I don't know if you ever looked at photos of the US president, just, uh, you know, someone who has has billions of people focusing attention on him or her, right? Yeah, yeah, and if you look yeah. at the before photo before they went into office and then look after they've been in office, mm -hmm. they like this shriveled, wizened thing that's <laughs> had her energy sucked out of them. Yeah, it's pretty full on, as you're saying. Like, we all, where focus goes, energy flows, you know? In the end, like, that is just so true <laughs> with anything in life. It's Tony Robbins always says that, you know? And so, yeah, um, when there's so many people putting their focus on you, it's, there's the energies going there as well. And, and right. then it's up to us to have our practices and our self-care um, routines and stuff in place where, yeah, we kind of have that protective shield of light that protects <laughs> us. And I have to do a lot of that because I sometimes do struggle with keeping these healthy boundaries, you know, with mm -hmm. being out there and being on all these social media channels and especially with video, it's very immediate, like in, in the way that people feel extremely connected to you because it's video, way more connected than just text or a photo, right? And so with that, a lot of times they feel, they feel connected to you, but you don't even know them. You've never seen them, right? So mm -hmm. yeah, it, it's sometimes a very uh, one-sided sort of experience that sometimes can be a bit freaky, you know, when they then see you in public, for example, or, and then there's this imbalance, <laughs> this power imbalance a little bit as well. So people have asked me, for example, would I date a follower, someone who's been watching my stuff for years, you know? And I think one of the reasons why I couldn't do it is because th that energy imbalance, a power imbalance yeah, mm -hmm. of someone who's so connected to me, you know, from the get go, but I, I've never been connected to them. So that, you know, that's a bit weird. Will be weird. But anyway, never say never, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. I think uh, rock stars and movie stars have the same issue on a bigger scale. Oh man. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's just crazy. Yeah. Which I feel explains why so many of them have drug problems or, you know, marriage issues or other yeah. personal issues. Cause they, yeah. it's like, I, I think attentional fame takes any issue we have and just magnifies it. I, I think it's smart that you have these daily practices that keep you grounded because otherwise you, it's so easy to spiral out of control when oh, you've yeah. got Definitely. thousands of people watching. Definitely. And like you're saying, like these real celebrities out there with millions and millions of followers and people adoring them and putting them on a pedestal. Yeah, that's a lot to carry as that one person, <laughs> all that energy, all that focus. And yeah, wow. I'm saying, yeah. Oof. Yeah. So, yes. Huh. Well, that way, that's where you'll be in a few years you know, with your your uh, new. Uh, maybe one day I'll know. just shut it all down. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, let my hair grow long, and I don't know what I'm going to do, and just start something completely new. <laughs> Who knows? But no, 
So you're in England now. What what are your next steps? Where is your intuition guiding you? What's coming up? Well, I'm guided to write a, uh, another book on mm. what would it take. So I wrote a book on intuition, but I yeah. decided that's maybe a little hard for people to get into. So the what would it take question is very easy for people to get into. So mm-hmm. I'm doing that. I just released a course on that topic. Yep. And also my intuition guided me doing this video challenge. I think I need to put more video out there. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm kind of flexing my video muscle with, <laughs> with this video challenge, but mm. I can use it to create some great content. So those Absolutely. are some of the other things. So you want to keep uh, going with the videos. Yeah. I th- it's, um, they're very easy to do once I got over my fear. The, mm-hmm. I mean, I'd wanted to do video for years and I've done, done it in little drips and drabs. So, you know, my intention is by doing it solidly for 90 days, I'll eradicate any fears I have. And I'm deliberately talking about stuff I'm ashamed of. So Mm -hmm. following your lead on that one. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Do you feel like with, just to kind of slowly come to an end here, but one last big question I have is, do you feel like with what you're doing now, intuitive entrepreneurship, and you're making these videos, and you're writing your second book, and you've got this podcast, and like you've doing it, you know, you've been doing a lot of stuff and creating a lot of things. And do you feel like you found your calling with that? Do you feel like you're still working on it? Like, where are you at with that? Is that a big question for you in your life? I certainly think I don't think we have one calling or I certainly don't. So and I'm not concerned. I'm, I mean, my feeling is we're here to have joy and I certainly get joy from doing this. So that's my if I have a calling, it's to, to have a joyful existence. That's wonderful. Um, mm. So and I do have like this movement of, you know, having all entrepreneurs openly use their intuition so they make more money and, and they're mm-hmm. more joyful themselves. And mm-hmm. and also so they make less dumb ass decisions because you know how some business people hurt other people or they hurt the planet. I, mm-hmm. I think they do that less. So mm-hmm. that's certainly a bigger whatever guiding Mm-hmm. thing. I don't know if you want to call that a calling, mm-hmm. but I certainly, my intuition is, you know, I'm clear this is what I'm supposed to be doing, even though it doesn't always produce, you know, I don't see the immediate results. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something you can be doing for, well, hopefully not for years, but <laughs> I've been doing it for more, more than a year now. And mm-hmm. it's, it's not every day. It's not clear that like, oh yeah, there's like enormous things happening, but you know, you keep throwing pebbles in the pond and the waves keep going out and the waves get bigger. And then well, you walk on that path and then this path leads you onto this path and then into that path and then you meet these people and then that opens up and I feel like that's kind of how it happens too. Yeah. So, and interest, since I started doing this video challenge, I think it's shifted my energy because I did some outreach emails to people to guest on there show or whatever and there was someone in particular an author who i contacted a year ago who i know personally and he didn't reply a year ago but since i saw this video challenge i sent another thing you know and say and he he replied so Mm. i think people can feel your energy shift that you're ready to be in the spotlight Mm. more that's awesome (laughs) fantastic wonderful i think that's a, a great way to end our little interview it's been a real pleasure to have you and yeah what an interesting journey this past hour was actually <laughs> looking at where how we started out i went right into the deep dive got you very <laughs> emotional right there and then and which i thought was very beautiful and also thanks again for 
acknowledging that moment of what you were feeling and your emotions and, and, uh, yeah, apologize for not, I guess, giving it that space and that place in that moment. But, and then we went into your journey is coming out as transgender. And then we went into your intuitive entrepreneurship journey and what's been happening there and your background with healing modalities and, all of that and and now we've come here with your amazing video challenge and what you've taken out wow yeah so very grateful that we've got to spend this time together is there anything you still like to share how can people find you how can they connect with you best maybe just want to sure they, yeah they can find me at intuitiveleadershipmastery.com mm -hmm. and that's where you can find my books and podcasts and link to my YouTube channel so, mm -hmm. and the online course. And you're welcome to find me on Facebook as well. Um, I'm Michaela Light there. Those are some good places to find me. Wonderful. And I'll put all that information everywhere where I can put it. <laughs> Yay. All right. Well, thank you so much, Michaela. And I uh, hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye. Peace. <laughs>